The Linux Reality Podcast is sponsored by O'Reilly Media, spreading the knowledge of innovators through its books, online services, magazines, and conferences. Visit them today at O'Reilly.com. Everybody. Welcome back to Linux Reality. This is episode number 86, and my name is Chess Griffin. Welcome back. Uh, and to those of you who are new and who are just joining us for the first time, welcome. I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to some of the old episodes. We've got a lot of really great stuff in there. Uh, this week, we're going to do listener feedback, and I have a lot of email. I do have a listener tip as well. Uh, so there's not going to be any main content, but I actually did have a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Um, so... You know, I will do that up here uh, up front, and then we'll get to some listener feedback here and a listener tip in just one second. Okay, two things I wanted to mention. Um, first of all, fun toy related. Uh, my, I've mentioned this before. My, I have a Kwan iAudio Five, and it's I've had it for a couple of years now, and it's getting to be on its last legs. It still works, but it's pretty small in size. It's only one gig. And, uh, you know, I wanted to have something that could play some videos as well. So I've been spending a lot of time thinking about it. And when I was at the Ohio Linux Fest, Aaron Newcomb, I saw he was um, uh, from the uh, Open News uh, podcast. He had a very cool device. And it was also a Kwan device. And I'm going to pull mine out here now. It's a Kwan D2. Uh, and it's a little square uh media player. It plays MP3s, it plays AUGs, and it plays videos. And uh, this thing is really neat. Uh, I got the 4 gig model, and it has a secure digital slot, so you can put another 4 gig or even an 8 eight gig, I guess, uh, secure digital card in there. And the video playback is amazing, and it has a rechargeable battery. Uh, and the thing mounts just as a USB drive, no problems. And the other cool thing is, and I, and I had thought that the iAudio 5 did this, but I was mistaken, but the firmware upgrades are drag and drop, and that is just fantastic because it really bugs me how on some devices you actually have to install software on Windows to upgrade the firmware. With the iAudio D2, you just download a zip file, you unzip it, it's got some bin files, and they have some instructions. You do one, you drag it into the root folder, you reboot the device, then you do the second one, you reboot the device, you do the third one, you know. Very simple, and uh, you can upgrade the firmware. Piece of cake. Doesn't require any kind of proprietary software. And like I said, it just mounts as a USB mass storage device, so you just drag and drop your media files on there. Great stuff. Um, it would make a great Christmas present or holiday present, Hanukkah present, what have you. Um, for anybody out there who's been looking for something for their geek friends or for those geeks of you out there who are looking for something something to put on your list, I highly recommend the Koan D2. Highly recommend it. And speaking of the holidays, I also wanted to mention, the other thing I want to mention up front here, you may recall, those of you who've been listening for a while, last year I did this uh, 2006 project donation um, little thing, a little drive, if you will, fundraiser, not for me, not for the podcast, but for uh, free and open source projects and, and uh, organizations that we love. 
And the idea was that I was trying to encourage folks to make a little donation to any kind of free or open source project related, you know, of their choosing, um, something to do with Linux or, you know, BSDs or, you know, something like that. Um, but, you know, uh, it's really your choice. And if it's if the donation is at least 15 U.S. dollars, then I will send you a free set of, this, of the Linux Reality Archive CDs. And so that's currently... Um, it's two CDs or one DVD, and that gets you up through episode 53, I think it is. And I have got to get that third CD done. Um, I'm way behind on that. Uh, I've got it all organized. I just need to make the notes and all this kind of stuff. But anyway, um, I will send you that for free. So you just what you do is you drop me a line and uh, send me your receipt, you know, PayPal receipt or something. Just, you know, on some kind of proof that, that, you know, you actually made the donation. It's not for me. I just want to make sure that these projects are, you know, getting these donations and I will send you the CD, send me your uh, address and no charge to you. I'll send it to you anywhere in the world. Um, and last year it was great. Um, in fact, I'm looking at the page from last year and there was maybe, I don't know, 20, 25 different projects, something like that. I mean, Amarok, Apache Software Foundation, Arch Linux, Audacity, Dan Small Linux, Debian, Electronic Frontier Foundation, Firebug, Free Software Foundation, KeyPass, NotMyth, Linux Mint, OpenOffice.org, OpenSSH, PC Linux OS, Puppy Linux, uh, Security Tools Distribution, Citux, the Slackware Linux Project, Synergy, Ubuntu, Vim, that was mine, um, <laughs> WordPress, and ZenWalk Linux. Um, so those were the projects that got donations last year. And I, do, I would love to uh, beat that this year. So let's, I don't remember exactly how many there are, but however many there are, let's see if we can do better this year. And so please, everybody, I really encourage you in this holiday season and the spirit of giving and all that, find any kind of free or open source project that you like, that you support, that you use, and send them a $15 donation or more, of course. But uh, $15 and let me know, and I will send you the archive CD for free. I think that'd be very cool. All right, with that, let's get to a listener tip and then some feedback. Hello, Chess. This is Verbal from Chicago, and I have a listener tip. If you're behind a router and you need to know what your external IP address is, there are two sites that you can use. The first one is ipchicken.com and the second one is whatismyip.com. There are no spaces in either of these addresses. I enjoy your podcast and keep up the good work. Thank you, Verbal. I really appreciate that. Verbal's been great. He's been uh, sending me lots of nice emails and listener tips. I think he's been sending some to Dave over at the Lot of Linux Links podcast, and that's just very cool. So, again, I had a, a great time meeting Verbal and his wife at uh, the Ohio Linux Fest. I appreciate that very much. Here is some listener feedback. Okay, let's see here. Actually, one other thing I wanted to mention up front. Um, I got a new, um, well, it's not new, but I came across an IBM Model M keyboard, classic keyboard with the loud clicky keys. <laughs> and I love it. Um, okay, here is an email from Andrew. Andrew says, hi, just thought I'd let you know about hub.org. 
It's a free BSD VPS in Toronto, I think, somewhere in Canada. We use them, and it's been really good so far. Many thanks for the great show from Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, yeah, that rootbsd.net uh, uh, website, um, those guys have, have been great, and uh, uh, I've really enjoyed chatting with them. And uh, um, So they're a great, great uh, service provider as well, uh, but it's good to know about hub.org. Here is one from Neil. Neil says, thanks for the great show. I've enjoyed it from the start. I've been using Linux for almost three years now. I started with Mepis and moved to Ubuntu and Debian. I started learning programming in Python a few months ago and was wondering what you use for your Python programming. Note, I'm currently overseas and have found many folks that either use Linux or know about it and are interested in trying it out, which I help out by burning a distro and answer what questions I can. Later, Neil. Hey, Neil, that's great that you're turning some folks on to Linux and burning CDs. That's fabulous. That's what it's all about, spreading the word. As far as Python, um, I'm not quite sure what you mean by, you know, what I use. I just, you know, I just use, um, uh, I mean, I just use the text editor, I, uh, Vim. I mean, I just, you know, I, I you know, use a text editor. I don't use any kind of, there are Python-based graphical IDEs, I guess you could say, um, or, you know, graphical tools that are supposedly, you know, make it easier to uh, program. I don't know if they do like the completion and I don't know, you know, I've never really played with them. There's a couple of them out there. Um, I just, you know, I, I don't know. I just write things in the command line. And so I just use regular old Vim in the shell. As far as books go though, there's some great O'Reilly books, um, on Python and I've got several of those and there is a couple others. Gosh, I'm looking at my bookshelf now. We packed up all my books and I've got them in storage. I, I don't, but there's a great one called something like uh, Introduction to Python Programming. It's like a computer science type of book, um, and it's a really, really great book. Uh, I recommend that one very much as well. Also, listen to the Python 411 po po podcast. That's a great podcast, and there's lots of good Python forums and mailing lists out there, uh, lots of good places to go for help. Uh, here's one from Nick. Uh, Nick says, your show has brought Linux back into my home and has also enabled me to teach the guys at work a couple of cool tricks based on your tips as well as your listener tips. With the delightful news of the Google push for an open source mobile platform, I feel it is a milestone for the software industry. Open source software is now a buzzword in many people's homes and has raised awareness of OSS. I feel this occasion deserves to be remembered, so I picked five projects which have helped me realize the power of open source and contributed small Monetary donations to each one. You made my short list. That's very nice, Nick. Thank you. This day um, has been marked on my calendar as an annual event. I challenge you and your listeners to pick their top two to five OSS projects and support them to the best of their abilities, i.e. fix or log a bug, donate, beta test, etc. Once completed, they can close their action item, cross it off their to-do list, remove it from their someday maybe list, or check it off as done at Remember the Milk. The next time they interact with their favorite project, they will get the satisfaction that they did something good for people who spent time creating it. Thanks for all the hard work, work from uh, Nick. Nick, that's a great email, and that ties in really well with what I was talking about at the top of the show about the project, 2007 Project Donations. Uh, I really, yeah, I can't encourage people enough uh, to do that. And in fact, there's another email here, and I had it a little bit further down. Let me see if I can find it. Um Oh, yeah, here we go. It ties into the same subject. It's from Fred. Fred says, hello, Chess. I'm listening to the Fresh Ubuntu podcast episode 46 and just had an idea for a topic for Linux reality. I would like to learn more about bug reports, what they are, how do I file one, and what tools are out there to help file bug reports. 
I haven't seen a lot of info out there on bug reports and thought it might help to have more Linux users giving feedback to the developers out there. I've been listening to your show since the first episode and love the format. Looking forward to hearing more Linux tips. Cheers, Jess, Fred. Uh, yes, Fred, thanks for that email. And Nick, again, thank you for yours. Both of you bring up really great points about supporting open source projects. And projects can get support, I think, uh, through you know monetary donations, of course. They do need funds to... Um, you know, buy hardware, buy software, you know, just do whatever it is they need to do. Meet, you know, I mean, developers, I think, like to try to meet up and have, you know, hackathons like the OpenBSD guys do. Uh, and so that really does help. And uh, as far as bug reports, those, gosh, I really believe, I mean, I am not a developer. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I do some side stuff on the, you know, with some different uh, Linux distributions. I'm working on packaging for some Linux distributions and things like that. But, uh, but for the real developers, they really need bug reports. Bug reports are key. And I know it seems like, gosh, if I follow this, nothing will ever get done. It just seems like, you know, it's almost like your vote on election day. You think, well, what does my vote count? You know, I'm just one out of how many millions, but that really isn't the case. I have filed bug reports and they've been fixed. Sometimes it takes a year or two, (laughs) but they get fixed. They really do. And not every bug gets fixed, of course, but it won't get fixed if it doesn't get filed. That's for sure. Um, so filing bug reports is, is a big help. And as far as how to do it, going on to Fred's email, it just depends on the project. And it, you know some projects, some of the bigger projects, will have something like Bugzilla, um, which is a, you know, a pretty horrible interface, uh, admittedly. I don't, I don't think many people like the Bugzilla interface, but it is what it is, and it does work. And once you kind of get used to it, you usually have to log in, create an account, and then do a search and, you know, find the right place to put the bug and, and just file it. And, you know, they usually have people that monitor the bug report. So if you misfile it, don't worry about it. They'll get it in the right place. Um, I have filed bugs in the Ubuntu Launchpad. I've filed bugs with Arch Linux, um, FreeBSD, uh, Debian. Oh, gosh, what else? There's been several others like that um, of the um, operating systems that I've used over the years. I'm drawing a blank now. I've sent you know bug reports to Pat Volkerding at Slackware. He, he doesn't use Bugzilla or anything like that. It's just email. But um, you know, uh, definitely just read up on the websites of the projects of the software that you use to see how they want their bug reports submitted. Sometimes it is just an email. But most of the times, at least the, the distributions, most of them have some kind of tracking system, whether it's Bugzilla or, you know, Ubuntu with Launchpad or what have you. Uh, so thanks very, thanks again to both of you. Here's an email from Jim. Jim says, I'm a Linux newbie and I have a dual boot XP and Kiwi 7.1, which is Ubuntu 7.1 Linux machine. I have XP on one C drive and Ubuntu on a D drive. How do I set up more distros on the D drive and have them appear on the grub menu? When I try to install another of my favorite distros, Sam Linux, it writes over Ubuntu. Can you talk about this in the future or direct me to a previous podcast about this? Love all your podcasts. Keep up the great work. A loyal fan, Jim. Well, Jim, we have talked about this in the past. Um, I can't f- think of a particular episode, but um, but in a nutshell, what you want to do, you know, you know, you didn't mention if Ubuntu is taking up the entire D drive, and if it is, you you know, you, the first thing you need to do is repartition the D drive, and uh, you can use the um, uh, the G parted live CD or the System Rescue CD. Those are both. 
uh, really small Linux distributions that are kind of gparted is kind of like partition magic. And there's a couple others that are like this. They're free. You just download the ISO. There may be 40 megabytes. You burn it onto a CD, uh, reboot, and it will show you your drives. And you can, you know, delete partitions, resize, remove, create partitions, all that kind of stuff. Uh, leave your C drive alone, and on the D drive where Ubuntu is, resize the partition that Ubuntu is on and make some free space for however many distros you want to install. Then you install those distros, and, and you know when you go through the installation, when you get to the stage where you can tell it where to install, don't select you know entire hard drive because then it will overwrite everything. Instead, you usually have to pick something like custom partitioning or manual partitioning and find the partition where you have some free space, and sometimes it'll say free space, and pick that and have it install there. Then, um, depending on the distribution, when you get to the stage where you can install the bootloader, you've got a few options. You really kind of need to think about this in advance. And I've, I've talked about this a couple of times. Um, you can either install Grub on the master boot record. That's a, sort of think of it as the front of the drive, and there can only be one thing on the master boot record. So if you already have Grub there for, say, Ubuntu, if you install a second distro and you install the bootloader on the master boot record, it'll overwrite Ubuntu's. Now, that may be okay because some distributions will spot Ubuntu and will automatically put an additional menu entry in there for you, and in which case... That's no problem. Just let the second distro overwrite the master boot record, and you, you know, you'll have both. Alternatively, what I do is you can, instead of having it install on the master boot record, Grub, that is, instead of installing it on the master boot record for the second distro and the third distro, install it on the root partition for that particular distro. So if you install Sam Linux on, say, slash dev slash SDA3, you know, partition SDA3, then install Grub there on dev SDA3. Now, when you reboot, you won't see Sam Linux because you know the Ubuntu Grub doesn't know that you you know you installed something else on a on a separate partition. So then, what you need to do is boot into Ubuntu, and then you'll need to manually edit the Ubuntu Grub menu file. And that's in boot. That's in you'll have to do this as root. That's in slash boot slash grub slash menu dot lst. That's the text file that consists of the grub menu. And you browse through there, and you'll see the stanzas or the blocks for Ubuntu. And what you want to do is go all the way down to the very bottom, and you know insert a similar stanza for Sam Linux or for whatever Linux you have. And you'll see there's a line that will say root. And it will say, open parentheses, HD something, comma, something. And that's basically telling um, uh, Grub where that distro is located. So in your case, you'd want to put, and Grub uses starts from zero. So if you install something on slash dev slash SDA3, what you would do is you would slash, you would have root, open parentheses, HD zero, comma, two. That would be the equivalent of SDA three because Grub starts at zero, so zero one two, so two is the third partition. Um, so uh, it's kind of in a nutshell. I'm kind of you know talking at it from a high level. There's a little bit more to it than that, but um, you know basically you can do that. And then what I also do is I'll I will put chain loader plus one after that, and that will then jump to the SDA three partition in this example, and you'll see a second Grub menu 
So you'll see two grubs. First, the Ubuntu grub, and then you select SAM Linux, and then, boom, it'll jump over to SDA3, and you'll see the SAM Linux grub that you had installed on the root partition for SAM Linux. And uh, then you can select SAM Linux, and you'll be fine. So hopefully that helps. It's kind of a lot of uh, rambling on my part, I guess, but I apologize. But um, there's a lot of tutorials out there on how to do that. Uh, but essentially, that's that's the way you'll want to do it. Here's a follow-up email from Alessandro. Alessandro says, Hello, Chess. Thanks a lot for your feedback given in Episode 81 about Unison for the data synchronization. By using Unison, I could synchronize my USB stick with my laptop and keep synchronized directory structures. I could even synchronize my local data with a remote location through SSH. Oh, that's cool. And he says, Using Unison is easy. Um, and he says, Unison space dash options and then space, and the first directory, space, and then the second directory. And then for the options, he says, one remark, use the option dash perms zero, that's P-E-R-M-S, dash perms zero, to ignore properties like ownership group permissions. USB sticks are likely to be mounted as group root, or in any case with different properties with respect to the user. So each time attempting a synchronization, the program will detect properties mismatch even though files are identical. Thanks again, Chess. Keep doing the Linux Reality Podcast. Your contribution to the Linux reality or to the Linux community is really remarkable. Regards, Alessandro. Thanks, Alessandro. That's a great follow-up email. And let's see, last email for this week is from Charlie. And Charlie says you probably figured this out already, but from the ATI, from the ATI website, and he's got a quote here, several distribution-specific pack, packaging scripts are not up to date in this release. In particular, packaging for 64-bit Ubuntu versions is known to be broken. Uh, a topic number is not available for this issue. And so anyway, apparently this is a known problem with the ATI drivers on the 64-bit Ubuntu. Hopefully there will be a fix soon, and there probably is by the time this episode is out. Anyway, Charlie goes on, man, I really love your podcast. Thanks for putting it out there from Charlie. That's very cool, Charlie. Thanks very much for that uh, feedback, and thanks to everybody else. I got lots of other emails, but I think that's going to do it for this week. Okay, well, thanks again for listening, everybody, and for you know downloading the podcast and uh, staying subscribed. I really appreciate that. I've got a, I've gotten a lot of more listeners lately, and that's been that's been awesome. Uh, thanks for spreading the word and letting everybody know about this little podcast. Thank you so much for your donations and your feedback, your emails, your listener tips, uh, your forum participation, uh, IRC participation. It's really been great. It's it's uh, it's been a lot of fun and. Uh, I look forward to more. So please keep that coming. Keep those emails coming and uh, drop in the form, drop by the forums and register. If you haven't already say hi, we've got some really nice people in there. Um, as to the email, you can send me an email at linuxreality at gmail.com. You can also send uh, audio attachments if you want, you know, for an audio comment or listener tip. Also uh, check out the uh, listener hotline numbers, go to linuxreality.com slash contact. And all that information is there. And swing by the IRC channel, hash Linux Reality on irc.freenode.net. And uh, I think my voice is starting to go a little bit. I'm, I'm coming into a cold, so I'm going to have to wrap it up here real uh, quick for this week. Hope you all have a nice week and a nice weekend, and I'll catch you all next time. This has been Episode 86 of Linux Reality. See you later. Bye-bye.